I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with designer Trip Hainish. Hainish is known for his comfortable, collected, and easygoing style. He's earned a reputation for his incredible talent and the celebrity clientele that follow. Trip has a new book out called Personal Space, and it features his elegant Hollywood style juxtaposed against comfortable California living. These two would appear to be in direct conflict, right? Actually, it's all in the presentation, a skill Hainish has mastered. You're going to hear Tripp talk about his career path and the trajectory from just starting out to the fame that follows success in a creative endeavor like interior design. He's comfortable now with the fame, but prefers the work because it is the source of creative satisfaction and happiness for him. You're also going to hear a very candid conversation about client relations, interaction, and meaningful engagement. You're going to hear some very personal insights about creativity, wanting to please others, and ultimately, being happy with yourself and your work. I enjoyed this chat immensely with Tripp, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into it, I want to thank you for listening and invite you to join in the conversation. You can find us at Convo by Design on Twitter and at Convo by Design, this time with an X, on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find videos of these conversations on our YouTube channel. Again, uh, search Convo by Design and you'll find over 130 videos with some of your favorite guests. You can also subscribe to the show and never miss an episode and leave a rating and review for the show on iTunes, which is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. What does that even mean? Well, it means they work tirelessly to provide architects and designers with the latest in technology, design, styling, and functionality. It means they understand service and provide superior products, like those from Mila. Mila has been an independent, family-owned business since 1899 and have been innovating ever since. You'll find the words immer besser associated with Mila. It means forever better. And that's what you'll find in Mila appliances, like the EcoFlex dishwasher. This new line of dishwashers from Mila has attention to detail written all over it. Mila's FlexiCare baskets now allow for reconfiguration to better protect fragile items. The 3D Plus cutlery trays can be customized to accommodate utensils of almost any size, and trays with their own dedicated spray arms for superior coverage. Numerous settings for every occasion, and a drying feature called Auto Open, which actually opens the door upon completion, allowing for air circulation inside the dishwasher. Load it up, and let the EcoFlex get the job done. The latest technology and stunning good looks. That's Mila. And you can find all of Mila's amazing products at any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond showrooms or shop online at SnyderDiamond.com. Writing. Do you like producing books? I'd never done it. So This is um, your first? Yeah. So it was Congratulations. Like, thank you. It was cool. I I was kind of unnerved by it because the scope of it seems so kind of massive but then I worked with um, a- Anthony Iannacci was the one that came to me and, and you know thought that maybe I had a book in me and he you know he did the the Hampton book and he did the um, you know there's the, the the what is it the Hollywood um, interiors book and he's he's incredibly talented at doing books and so he kind of guided me and broke it down gave me kind of like what what I had to do next and whatnot so it, it was interesting and I didn't realize all that really 
goes into it, you know. And the other thing, for me, the thing that was the, 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 the nicest thing about doing a book was like it was kind of a, a um, you know, it's one of those big picture kind of things because I feel like every day I go to work and I have a to-do list and I get as much done as I can. I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. And when you, when you produce a book, you kind of start reflecting and you realize that none of this happens on your own and that you have you know, architects and vendors and clients that take a chance on you and all those things. So it's really a time to reflect and be grateful. And, and so I think that probably has been the, the really nice thing that has come out of it. Why'd you do it? Why'd I do it? Um, I felt like my work, I try to, I mean, it's called personal spaces and I and I really try to once I've done something I don't want to do I don't really want to do it again so my work is kind of like all over the place a little bit and I kind of like seeing it collectively because even though you know there's a lot of different looks going on there is a certain thread that goes through it so you know it was it was kind of nice seeing it seeing it like that um yeah. What'd you learn? What did I learn? Um, it's, it's hard to do what we do. I mean, it's getting, getting harder and a lot of the pictures and there's moments and I, you know, certain things I see that I realize how hard it took me to convince somebody to do it. You know, that's like, um, I don't know. You like you like do it, and you go down memory lane, and you remember like the interactions and the tense times and the good times and the end result and all that. I mean, I I do development work too, and that's kind of been um, it's been very lucrative, and it's kind of um, been you know I can kind of design a house in a weekend, but like with a client, you have to get permission on every single step but it's I, I don't know at the end it's if it works it's kind of a gift like you've created this very personal environment and you know that they can enjoy with their friends and their family and all of that and to me that's very satisfying when, when did you it's not the when why did you get into design well I was a business major <laughs> from I went to the University of Kansas and I um, I worked for IBM for a year right after college and um, I knew that the world was bigger than Kansas, and I um, knew that I really wanted to get out of there. I mean, I love going back, and I have great friends there, and it's like it was a magical place to be to be raised. But I, you know, being right in the middle of the country, I thought I was either going to go to New York or L.A., and I figured I could live longer on $2,000 in LA. <laughs> so that's why, that's why I went there. And I, you know, and I, we, we were, you know, we were middle-class family and we, you know, the idea of people hiring like, you know, fancy designers to do their homes and, you know, all of that was, I didn't even real, I wasn't even really aware of that, I have to say. And then when I moved to, to California, I met Waldo Fernandez, who was my partner for like 26 years. And he was already an established published designer. And so kind of through osmosis, I, I, I learned from him. And um, yeah, it was a great gift actually to be exposed to 
to things I, I had never seen before. I, I bet. And was was he also somewhat of a, would you call him a mentor? Oh, he was definitely my um, my mentor. And he, you know, he has such a critical eye that I would, I remember like we would go into a house or something and then we'd leave and, and I would go, oh, that was so cool. Like this, you know, like a beautiful dining table or whatever. He goes, he would like, no, he goes, then he would explain to me why, what was wrong with it or something. So I got, my eye became very discerning. And then we opened a store together in the mid eighties and like we had every, you know, all the great designers like Mike, Michael Taylor and Clef Alaton and, you know, Steve Chase and, you know, like all the guys from Ralph Lauren would come in and it was all, it fascinated me to see kind of what they would, what they would buy, the objects they would buy. And then you would see how those objects would get you, you know, when it got published in a space and you saw how talented some people were and how really untalented other people were, <laughs> you know, it was like, and I didn't really like being at the mercy of somebody else to make my stuff look good. So the idea of me being able to kind of do it was, it, it felt more powerful. Like I could, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, it's interesting, the whole evolution for me with design. Yeah, and I'm interested in that, genuinely, genuinely interested in that. And from a, as a showroom owner, I, I've always been fascinated. You know, I've spoken to Patrick Dragonette, I've spoken to Gary Gibson. I'm always fascinated by designer as something else, right? And in this case, designer as showroom manager, showroom owner. Because when you're the owner, you're kind of the manager too. You know, you're the owner, you're the stalker, you're the receptionist, you're right. kind of everything. Right. No, well, I, I mean, my, that was my first introduction. I wasn't designing at the time. The designing part came came later. But I, But it was a great laboratory and it was a great, um, you know, we, we resources all over the world. We would buy in Europe and in Asia and all over, you know, there'd be like buying trips that we would go up the coast of Maine and, you know, even in the Midwest where I'm from, we would find remarkable things. And, you know, this was before the internet and all that. So now the world's shrinking. Like I, you know, I can sit on my computer at my office and find more things than I could have going on all those buying trips. So the whole, the whole way of finding uncovering beautiful things and and being able to get them um, has changed and it used to be fun because like you would go to you know you go to Maine or you go to Kansas City and you'd you'd see something and you knew that it was really good but the people selling it really didn't realize how good it was now people people so know what what they have and the value of it so it's harder to find um you know, good finds on good prices on stuff. Do you think though that it all it also kind of took the joy away a little bit from that surprise no. and delight where you discover? Yeah. No, like I used to. There was like this. Um, Heisey was a glass company, and they had like this Greek key pattern, right? And I would always, when we would go up the coast of um, of Maine, I would always find a few great. Like they had these great punch bowls and really beautiful stuff that I was really into and and um, and it was it was always so exciting when you would uncover it in these kind of remote areas you know and then 
like I remember when eBay came on and I just and the first time I saw it and I just put in like high C Greek key pattern and there were like you know a hundred of those pieces that I worked so hard to try to find one it was like right there so yeah it's like I mean it's made it easier but it was it was kind of um, I don't know it was fun going on those trips and uncovering things. It was a different time. It, well, yeah, but so here's my point. My point is it's really interesting because you've got sort of the, the, the two sides of the same coin. You know, as a, as a designer, as a creative, you're always looking for something new, for something different, for something that you compare with that client. My, my theory is that design, I've always said design is so personal. I'm not a designer nor, nor an architect, but design is like you're telling the story of how somebody lives and they're living within that set that you've created for them it's their life or it's their business or it's their job or it's or it's a, a hotel where they want it. it's aspirational where they'd like to live and you're creating that space part of what you do is telling the story and so you need to you need to identify pieces and you need to identify products and the internet is fantastic for that but well, as as an explorer though you miss out on that because it's all there. You don't have to go exploring anymore. Right. But it, I, I will say it's a great, um, the internet's a great way to, to educate clients. So you might, because I like, for me, I, I prefer a collected look over a decorated look. And I like, and I like, you know, homes that look like pieces have been bought over time, good quality pieces. I mean, for, for younger couples, I always recommend, you know, maybe you buy two great pieces a year, maybe a piece of art, maybe a beautiful, you know, chair or whatever, and then in 20 years you have kind of amazing stuff. But, like, if I, you know, used to be that I'd have to get books and then educate people on, say, like, Royer, you know, like... Uh, like Royer Furniture or whatever. Now you just can tell them that and then they go on the internet and they can learn all about it. They go in for stibs, they see great examples of the work. They can quickly say, this is something I would love or, or no, I'm not into it. Um, so it just kind of, it, stream, it streamlines things. But also there's like all of this information and all of this imagery that's available. Cl clients get all confused. Like they get, it's almost too much instead of you know a lot of times we'll lay out a room and then they'll talk to their girlfriends and then the next day I'll get like a hundred pictures of well what do you think of this and we should change this and I like this and it's kind of it's like design ADD now it's like it's people are they have access to so much and they can't really you know it's like I, my friend used to be he was a shoe salesman my roommate in college and he would say you know you when you're selling shoes you never bring out like five pairs of shoes you bring out you bring out two and and one of them you you bring out as close to the ones that the person is wearing and that way it's not confusing and they'll end up buying as soon as you give people too many options they they can't make up their mind that's that's a fascinating concept i mean think about it that is absolutely true but you can't put the horse back in the barn. There's no way to get no, clients. No, it's already, the ship has sailed, you know? Yeah. So you got to do the best you can with it. How do you do that? How do you get your clients off the internet? <laughs> I don't get, there's no way, that's an, that you can't, you can't do. I mean, you can discuss it, you know, and have, and say, look, we need to, to, you know, we've already, we've already decided this and this. So, and for me, it's like, I like the idea of, um, like when I'll, I'll, 
take on a job, I'll lay out a house, and then I will, um, you know, come up with maybe what the upholstered pieces are going to be or look like or fabrics or whatnot, but then maybe I'll leave, um, you know, a space for a chair that we're going to find that's going to be an interesting, beautiful, collectible chair. Um, so wait a minute, before you go on, I, it's an interesting concept to me. So you'll design and leave kind of like a, kind of like a black hole yeah. in there, knowing that you're going to fill it at a later date. Yeah. And the black hole might be, you know, it's like, I feel like, like I'm more like an editor. So if we decide we're going to do a sofa that is leather, let's say, then I'm probably not going to do the off chair in leather. Like there's certain, once you've, once you've chosen one thing, then maybe you'll go to a different material. So you start, you know, or you, maybe you have chairs that have, you know, a sofa that has legs on it. So maybe, you know, the other furniture is a little bit more blocky. So there's not a preponderance of legs. So there's all those things like that I start gotten really good at being able to kind of see in my mind's eye how things are going to, juxtaposed because it's really all about that you know and I think if you buy nice stuff and beautiful stuff and interesting stuff that's really the way to do it and then it's just how you kind of start mixing you know materials and you don't have too much of any one thing would you say along that same line as not too much of any one thing that we're also going in the direction of not too much of anything anymore where we're kind of slim, slimming it down a little bit seems to be I don't want to I don't want to call it a trend right but or, or or being trendy in the sense that less is more which less is more is ridiculous or who I forgot who it was that said less is more less is a bore but it's not a matter of doing less it's just highly curating the things that you do select and that seems in and of itself to be a style that is in vogue I agree. I think, I mean, I, for me, that tends to be a, like a New York sensibility because they have smaller apartments and they're kind of, you know, they like to think they're really smart. So everything is very smart and, and, and collected and, and beautiful pieces. And I kind of, and I think that's brilliant, actually. I love the idea of having less stuff better stuff, you know, waiting until you can afford to buy good things. Um, you know, my house, I have collected like art and ob like stuff for years, just stuff, beautiful stuff, stuff that I love. And now I look at my house and I'm just like, I, I kind of just want to sell everything and just have, I, I don't know, the idea of having less stuff is to my eye looking very it looks it's kind of looking better i don't know it's very calming sometimes all the stuff starts to i don't know makes me nervous a little bit it's like, it, it almost it, it almost forces a a, a sense of cla claustrophobic little bit lack of space lack of livable space in there it, yeah. feels, it feels like it but I, but I, it, what's interesting is i don't think that it's any particular style or feel or type of furniture i just think in general the feeling is that less stuff and and i don't know maybe that's culturally where we are right now well i think in california you know we have so many like these houses are like twenty thousand, ten thousand square feet so they're big so they're hard to you know it's hard to fill them anyway with 
And then if you buy really beautiful kind of things, it can, it can become quite expensive. Um, I know designers in the old days, I would hear them like, like they would just, the only way they could make money is like packing in tons of, tons of furniture, you know, layer, layer upon layer upon layer of, of stuff. And sometimes that was the motivation, which was not really. But wait, but wait a minute. At the same time, I don't think the people who are who are buying and filling ten thousand, twenty thousand square foot homes are are necessarily that budget conscious, in L.A. Oh yes, they're they're all really. They're all, oh yeah, my God, yeah. Tell, I mean, tell me I've, about that. I've worked with billionaires, and they're they're the most price conscious. Like it's crazy. Like part of it's just the paranoia. People they think that people are going to price things based on what they can afford so there's like this you know I don't know in our industry has such a bad reputation for misbehaving so that's why for me in business I it's always important that um you know I I protect people's money I take care of their money I I show my original invoices all that kind of stuff so there's no monkey business because trust is such a huge part of that that's a big part of the business today and, and I I think it's really interesting Especially because this business in particular, you know, as a designer, as an architect in a, in a creative industry, designer more so, where there's so many different business models, there's so many models for pricing and payment that you have to sort of take into account. In the past, it was one way. It was the, you know, it was the 40 percent. Right. And then it was then it was time plus less, whatever that less happened to be. And then you have individual designers working on whatever formula tend to work for them but generally pricing the business has not been a strong suit in the design community and so I feel like and you know tell me if I'm right on this or wrong on this but it feels like there's there really is a desire to have a more solidified structure but because there are there are still so many different models of how it works that there is no one particular structure that seems to have won out you mean in, term, in terms of charging? Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that also affects how products products are priced because how the designers are getting compensated affects how the, the manufacturers want to, want to price for the business, for the trade. So there are all kinds of other effects that take place downstream that have to be considered, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very hard to be in the in the furniture, especially upholstery, in this town because every every designer has their upholsterer, so they'll just go and they'll get pictures from magazines and then they'll give it to them. So it's hard if you're if you ha if you're paying rent on a street, you know, it's hard to protect your designs or any of the good designs will eventually be, you know, if it's if it's incredible, you know, it will be in restoration hardware in a couple of years. So. It's just the way the market, you know, now there's, everybody's using generette chairs. Now I just saw at Restoration, they have them for like $300, you know. It's like, it's a little annoying, but I guess it's the way the world works. It forces us to stay on our toes and keep, um, keep trying new things. That's what I was going to ask, is if you can't rest on your laurels and you have to keep moving and you have to keep creating and you have to keep generating new ideas and new concepts... I guess that's a good thing. It is a good thing. It forces you. But sometimes it's annoying. Like, you know, the, 
you see some of these beautiful things. I remember like Holly Hunt, you know, Holly Hunt brought Christian Layog to, to America and, and the pictures of the, of, of, you know, like a, the dining tables or whatnot didn't really do it justice. But when you would go and you would see it and you would see how, you know, there'd be slight bevels on the edge and you would see like the, the grain of wood at the end going in a different direction. And it's all these details that you really, when you get up close to it, you go, oh my God, this is like, this is like a Rolls Royce in its simplicity, right? And then you go to like CB2 or whatever, and they've knocked it off in the most abysmal way, but it's the same thing. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of frustrating. And then you would, and you would take a client, you would go, let's do this table. They go, oh, no, I can't do it. Like, that, that's, that, that table's at CB2. And I'm like, no, it really isn't, but okay, I got it. So I don't know. I think it's hard to be in the furniture business for sure and to keep... You know, if you come up with something good, it'll somebody's going to steal it. But you know, in a minute. What do you think of the idea behind the celebrity designer? The designer that, you know, the the career is is about celebrity, and I bring it up because I think it's really interesting. When we were talking before, you know, you you don't seem interested in the fame. You seem interested in the work. Yeah, I don't. Is that is that even a thing? A celebrity designer, like people? Oh sure. Well, I think everybody in LA is like a celebrity. We all just because that's what runs this city. Fair enough. I, I would think like if you worked in Washington D.C. and you're going to be good at what you do, you're going to end up doing stuff for politicians. Or in New York, you'll be dealing with Wall Street people. It's kind of it kind of goes with being. Um, in LA, I mean, I will, I like, because I've worked with a lot of celebrities, and it's always like you get a phone call, and then it's fascinating because this person has like a a, a, a persona that you know, a public persona, and you're kind of like curious what they really are in real life, you know, and so you go and you and you kind of go, oh, well, that you know, I mean, it's there's always it's never quite what you expected. Or even how they how they live, you know. Sometimes it's surprising, but at the end of the day, they just become, you know, another client. Like for me, I all my clients are super important to me. So, um, but the idea of like going out and looking for getting clients just because they're celebrities is a little weird to me. For me, it's more about being able to do good projects for nice people, you know? And celebrities, some of them are, are very nice and some of them aren't. So I'm more interested in the ones that are, <laughs> that are, that are nice. Like I don't really, it doesn't matter to me whether they're a celebrity or not. It's more how we connect and what the project's about. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, for me, we, we talk a little bit about the book. And the book is, is a promotional tool. Yeah. It, it has to be, and it has to, it's a showcase of the work that you've done. And it has to be. And it's one of those things where, you know, if you could get the same results that the book, that publishing the book provides and not have to do the book, you seem to me like the kind of well, guy no, who'd be I, just like, as happy. I, I, I've said it before. Like if I, if, if, if I could make money and do what I do and nobody knew who I was, I would be quite content with that. Like I don't really, I love 
I love the process. I love my interaction with the clients. You know, and I'm grateful to magazines that have published the work. And I'm, you know, but I think on a certain level that your clients, um, there's certain clients that want their designer to have a certain cachet that they are published and they do have a book and that kind of thing. So you kind of get sucked into that just if you want to keep growing and expanding. But the idea of, you know, just working, you know, working with celebrities or being famous or all of like that, all of that's kind of ridiculous to me. I don't know. It doesn't, it's not the point. What is the point? The point is, <laughs> what is the point? I don't know. Like I would do, let's put it this way. I would do this for free if nobody paid me to do it because I love it. And so that I think is the point. The point is, is that like, you know, the last four weekends I've worked and I don't resent it because I love doing it and I love trying new things and I love meeting new people and kind and you know and it becomes very personal because you're in their home you meet their you know you meet their parents you meet their kids you meet their help you meet you know and you and and so it you it's I don't know, and people trust you, and that always feels good. It feels good that, you know, and I always, and when people pay me money, I take it very, I mean, I, I know this isn't brain surgery, but, and for me, it's it's important that we have, we have a lot of fun doing it, but I'm also very serious about it. Like, I want to feel like I'm going to do beautiful work for somebody that I'm going to, that they're going to feel like at the end of it, that they, that their money has been respected. There's a lot of things that that I try to do that hopefully at the end when I look myself in the mirror I say you know what I did the best I can and it doesn't and it doesn't always work I mean it oftentimes there there's stuff that comes up that you know it's just it's not a connection um, and for me that's really hard and sad and frustrating because because I always want to I always want to be able to deliver you know to people that have that have kind of invested in me and trusted me. Do you have do you have a style that not necessarily you design for a certain style or or that you're necessarily known for but what do you, what do you like personally what 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 brings what brings pleasure to your eye what do you like what do you like seeing you mean for me, for me to live with or for me to... Okay, I'm glad you asked because I need to clarify. So like, I love mid-century modern. I love looking at it. I love exploring it. I can never live with it. I can't live with it. I can't, it's not, I, I, I just can't live there. But I love looking at it. I'm just curious, what do you like looking at? I don't know. I love, I love good work. Like for, for me to see, I love... I love things that are done well. I think anything that's done well can be really interesting. Like I'm working on a on a you know Mediterranean house, Spanish colonial style house right now, which really isn't my thing. Like I would never build that house because because typically they end up being very 
kind of dark and heavy. So the clients are giving me a chance to come in and, and kind of do it my way and see it a little bit lighter. And, you know, it, I like the challenge of that. I like the challenge of, of maybe trying to, you know, I feel like with architecture, there needs to be integrity. You don't really mucky with the architecture. And then with the furniture and the art, you can kind of have some fun. And for me, it's all about the twist. So you might have a very traditional house, but you might have great, you know, modern art or whatever. Um, and I like whimsy, too. I like to laugh. I like to have fun. I like to look at things that, that, that I don't, I'm not. I don't really like pretentious. I don't really like pretentious people. And so I don't feel, it's always interesting to me. I study how, like if I look at a magazine and I look at pictures and sometimes I can see a beautiful room, but I, I don't, it doesn't make me feel good. Something's off. And I always try to understand what that is and sometimes I can see rooms that are done and the quality is not great but it's beautifully and, and, and somehow I respond to it so I'm constantly trying to dissect what it is that I like and, and one of the things for sure that I don't like is pretentious and that's you walk in a room and everything is like you know symmetrical and perfect and it's like you know it's like a museum and nobody lives there for me that's a turnoff. I like a home where you know you, you walk in and you feel like you can put your feet up. I like for people to come to my house and feel like they can sit down, put a drink down, don't have to worry. That feels good to me. As long as there's a coaster under it. Huh? As long as there's a coaster no, under it. No, you don't even have to have a coaster. Not even house. a coaster. Not even a coaster. I just, you know, I, mean, I live like that. Like when I live with Waldo, like he's very much like that. He likes everything. You know, it's like a museum. And I, and I just don't want to live like that anymore i want to i want to enjoy things and if things get stained you know it's that whole idea of wabi-sabi like i just bought a book on that and i kind of love it you know like the chipped ceramic and the, the 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 beauty of imperfection you know it's too hard to try to keep everything perfect like it's that's a i don't know life isn't perfect life is to be enjoyed and and Okay, so that's your the personal side, and I totally get that. Do you try to do you try to design that way? Do you try to share that philosophical approach with your clients? I will certainly discuss it with them because the the thing the thing for me is to try to understand, you know, how they live, how they want to live, and then be able to provide them with with a home that, that gives them that. And a lot of times they don't know. So it's kind of, you know, I've done this so long. It's like, you know, it's, uh, a lot of times design, I, I've seen designers go in and they do a house and they don't even think about how the rooms are going to be used. For me, it's like, what can we do to, you know, like it's silly to spend all this money and have rooms that don't, don't get used. So it, trying to figure out function is a lot more difficult than it is to make it pretty. Pretty is easy, but it's like, like how is this, gonna, this room going to be used and that kind of thing. And, and so it's like with clients kind of, you know, understanding, like I have clients that every 
you know, Saturday they'll have other couples of 10 people for a sit-down dinner. Other people will have 50 people over on a Sunday. And so the outside and the barbecue area is really important. Um, I do like different rooms within the same house that make you feel, you know, in a different way. So there might be like the main rooms might be bright and white, but then you might go into a den that's really cozy and, and, and darker. So it's kind of laying things out that way. What do you think, as a designer, this is the time of year when all of the uh, color of the year for next year starts to come out. Mm. When you see those, what do you think? I don't really follow it. Like I went, I went and bought a jacket for this for the book signing yesterday, and I and they like maroon. I saw like tons of maroon in this. In this showroom, I said, "Oh, that's that look. That's kind of a cool. That looks nice for, for like the fall." So I guess we're all we're influenced by it in the sense, especially with fashion, because that's what is being offered to us. Um, but I don't really get too much into trendy. I don't know. I don't. I kind of just try to. I don't know. I'll go, I'll go through tons of pictures with clients to try to, you know, inspiration pictures, and then we'll start distilling it down in a in a personal way. So it's really more about what they feel um, good about. Like I I can do things in so many different directions and make it nice. That that's kind of the fun of it for me. It's funny. I'm imagining in my mind you doing the images for color kind of like an eye exam do you like a or b okay now which is better a or b which is better a or, and you just keep changing the pictures out until you finally find the the color and the accent that they've selected as the absolute best like okay that's what we're going with yeah but i do that with furniture too you know i i i used to like spend hours and i would lay out a whole house or whatever and then when you go in and you present you present what you wanted to do and then inevitably clients are going to like a lot of what you do and then and then you know they're going to have things for ah, I'm not sure about this or that and inside I would just like kind of pout I would be upset because I was like you know do they know how much time I spent on this and you know I really wanted to get my way and I realized that it's really not about that like you have to be you have to be flexible and by you know, it's like like that off chair that I said, where I, I'll, I'll design a room and then I will have a chair that's going to be collectible and interesting. And if I show a client, you know, a certain chair and they hate it, I just I move off of it because there's so many options. And then inevitably, what happens is you end up getting things that they like, and then the house becomes about them. And that's the nice part. <laughs> Oh, it's it's supposed to be about them. Yeah. <laughs> do but do you so you used to pout a little bit. Do you take it personally when someone doesn't like your idea? No, I I well, no, no, not at all. I used to be very. I think you know when you're when you're younger and you're more insecure and you know you don't really know as much what you're doing. You tend to be more that way. Um, I think. As I've gotten older, I think it's important to be 
flexible and not so rigid. You know, life doesn't always give you exactly what you what you want. So you got to kind of you got to roll with it. And, you know, and it's uh, for me, it's like when you're when you're listening and when you're evolving and you're and you're kind of fine tuning a space, you know, you're you're it's more of a collaboration, which I like. Because ultimately it'll be about them, and I'll leave and go on to the next job, right? So I I like that. I like, like for me, just the worst kind of client would be somebody that just said go and do it. Like I wouldn't. That would actually be difficult for me. Like I don't really. Like I like it for me, but I wouldn't. I don't think I'd want. You want direction. You want structure. I want. I want. I I want. I want interaction. I want, I want to know what you love and you don't love. I want to know, you know, and I'll tell you, I'll always try to push you, you know, take you someplace you wouldn't have gotten to on your own. That's part of my job, but I still want it to be about you. What do you love right now? Are you crushing on anything? Um, and by the way, I understand that that's, that's a tough question. It's funny because whenever I ask that question, I, I, I like it because... I'm generally asking people about something in particular, knowing full well that their job is, for the most part, predicated on staying away from that exact question. <laughs> you know, I'm asking if you're crushing on anything right now, knowing that, you know, you, you design for an individual family or a business, but it's long term. But I'm just, I always love to know. I, I'd love to know, what you, is there anything that you're just right now that you're loving? I kind of get more excited and involved with like architectural materials. Like I love kind of uncovering the use of stone and wood and concrete. And, you know, I, when I first started doing this, it was really, I would just like a decorator. I'd show up and I'd bring furniture and, and I was like, this doesn't look very, this doesn't look, and I realized that the only way that a house is going to look incredible is if the interior architecture is incredible. So I, it forced me to learn how to, be, to do architecture, forced me how to learn how to do like landscaping, collecting, but I, I love um, beautiful architecture and I love kind of the mixture of kind of taking you know mixing texture with something slick and then when you have two two different things that visually what happens is it creates tension you know so if you can create these boxes that that are beautifully you know where where the interior architecture is beautiful that the, the interiors are easy it doesn't matter so I love like I just there's this place on Wilshire um, Eco Outdoors that has um, this amazing showroom and they have um, beautiful stone that they get all over the world and they have like terracotta and then they have like these Moroccan tiles that are kind of this crudish version of of um, you know just the typical three by six tiles you see so I've kind of been going over there a lot and kind of trying to use some of their materials and some of the jobs I'm working on. So that's real. I, I love, I love that. And I love a job site. I love construction. That for me is, is, is really fun. Last question I have for you. Do you have 
any cocktail party design tips. Here's what I mean. So as we, <laughs> as we <laughs> I think you know where I'm going. As we get into the holiday season, we go to all these parties and then someone says to you, like with me, it's like, oh, I'm a podcaster and a journalist. And, oh, really? And then they'll ask something like, can I've always wanted to tell me how to, right? Or they find out you're, it doesn't matter if you could be a heart surgeon and they'll say, oh, well, listen to this and tell me what you think. As a designer, you'll say, oh, I'm a designer. And they'll say, oh, well, and then ask you some question about their current state of design. Do you have like a couple of cocktail party design tips that you dole out because you know the question's coming and you have those ready to go and they're short and sweet and concise? No, <laughs> I don't. All right, stupid question. Never mind. No, no, no. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are you asking, like, for entertaining? Like, what kind of... No, you know how when people find out what it is that you do, right. they always have so a need. So it's like you meet a, a doctor and then you're asking them, like, questions about... Exactly. And it, yeah, and it's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't get stuck in those conversations. <laughs> that's my favorite. Okay, now I want to know how not to get stuck in those conversations. No, that's that's good to I know. Don't, I don't go to a lot of cocktail parties. So oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> I used to I used to go to everything and now I go to nothing and I'm kind of happy. I'm I, I wouldn't say I don't go to I, I go to nothing, but I um I kind of like I've learned how to enjoy being alone and just with me and that's taken me a while you know I was like I met Waldo when I was like 22 and um and then when we split up it was really sad it was hard and I felt like I needed to be in another relationship like it's it was you know and and somebody said you should just try you should you should actually adjust your thinking and really and and understand how great it is to just be single and to enjoy and have all the you know you can eat when you want you can go to bed when you want you can control the clicker you can and and I really did that adjustment and I kind of um, have gotten good at kind of being enjoying being by myself is that to say that I'm a hermit and I don't enjoy my friends but and with those times I can kind of calmly do do work and get inspiration on different things it's kind of nice I don't know I get that now the big question is would you would you write another book you're gonna write another book oh golly I don't know or I do mean, you want to get through this one first yeah I'm trying to get this through this one first I you know I think I think I've got enough work in me to do to do another one I probably would but that would be that would be maybe at the very end no I'm, I'm proud of this it's really it's I think it's beautiful um I'm proud of a lot of the different jobs, and I and I, you know, I hope it brings me a chance to do, you know, more work with nice people. And you know, if if there's another book out, if if I'm able to do another book, I'd be happy about that too. Well, hopefully, we'll sit down again before we get to another book. I would enjoy that. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? 
Vondam products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vondam spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vondam mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vondam before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at vondam.com.